1: We're not just making bold predictions about the second half of the NBA season. We're making extremely bold predictions. Amber and Ian, I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Andre Snellings. We are in for the crew on this President's Day. We're on the ESPN app. We're on Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And, Andre, we will get to our very super bold predictions for the second <laughs> half of the NBA season in a matter of moments but first we have developments at daytona andre please remind everybody how much do you and i know about nascar
0: uh that would be
1: nothing we know we know (laughs) nothing but you know who does know something is our rachel robinson she is our nascar correspondent she joins us live from the daytona international speedway with the latest rachel
2: All right, so, fellas, I have some great news for you. We have a winner in the Daytona 500. We do. We do have a winner. William Byron has now won the Daytona 500, the 66th annual Daytona 500. There was a caution towards the end of the race, but that doesn't matter now because we have raced 500 miles at Daytona Beach. Back to you, Andre and Aaron.
1: So there was a crash. I'm trying to understand what happened here. There was a crash toward the end. Yeah. And I thought we were going to overtime. Me I too. I was all excited about overtime, and then someone came in and ruled that this dude driving this car was the best car. The fast. Now he's doing donuts yes, I, on the I'm going to have to go and double toss. check
2: what the official ruling was. But they were close to the start-finish line when the crash happened, so... They could have said they had finished. They had started the last lap. I will get some clarification, and I will let you guys know.
0: I right, was okay. sure they should have received yeah. <laughs> for the <Exactly>. overtime. <laughs> <you> re- <laughs> no, no, you don't receive. You kick. You kick. Yeah.
1: Kyle Shanahan screwed up this overtime also. Oh, there are fireworks going off. Everybody's all excited about the guy whose name I already forgot. Who drives the number 24 car? I thought you'd retire that after Jeff Gordon. No? I was
0: going to say, I thought 24 was famous. I, I know, I've heard that, so- This
1: is sacrilegious The 24 won the Daytona 500. It's not Jeff Gordon. I mean, I know about enough about NASCAR to know that. All right. On to a sport that we do know something about, Dre. Uh, second half, bold predictions. Very bold predictions. You like to go out on educated limbs <laughs> being a member of not just our NBA team, but our ESPN NBA analytics team, you know, picking the Boston Celtics to win the title isn't bold. So let's start with you. Give me a bold second-half prediction. Let's get us underway.
0: All right. I am going to go bold on the division winner level. Um, If you look at the Southwest division, the New Orleans Pelicans are the favorite to win. I think the Dallas Mavericks at plus money are going to win the Southwest division. So... That's something that uh is actionable by those listening that that happen to have an interest in in uh putting a little uh incentive on the rest of the season. I think mm. the Mavericks are gonna finish strong.
1: And the Mavericks are one game back of New Orleans now. New Orleans at thirty-three and twenty two, Dallas at thirty-two and twenty-three. You know what's funny about New Orleans? Obviously Ingram has been great, CJ has been good. They've done this with a relatively healthy Zion, mm-hmm. Andre, but it's he's not making a Zion-like impact. So I yeah. think the key for them is at some point, maybe he's a little thinner and a little bit more spry. He doesn't play much defense, but they've got to start getting not just some impact, but a star-level impact from a Zion Williamson that's actually on the court.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. And the, the thing is, though, is at this point, two-thirds of the way through the season, mm-hmm. are we expecting that type of turn? I'm not necessarily expecting that for this season, whereas I think the Mavericks are on the way up.
1: Um, I'm going to make a bold prediction for the second half of the NBA season and tell you that I think that the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to finish with the best record in the West. Ooh! And I think that Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to win the MVP award. All right. We had our straw poll come out from Tim Bontemps and our great ESPN NBA team where they pull likely voters, and Shea finished second behind Jokic, but I think it'll be the story of the year if OKC ends up finishing in the number one spot. Now, I think they're in danger of getting upset relatively early on because they have no playoff experience on their team whatsoever, and they're very raw, and I think at some point, I'm hoping that KD ends up going back there and ends up being the last piece they need to win a championship. But Oklahoma City right now is poised with Chet, who may be the rookie of the year. Uh, It's going to come down to him and Wemby. um, And a a cast of great supporting players. But really, this is one of the years of a guy. This is kind of the year of Shea. It's his coming out party. Mm -hmm. I think OKC finishes first in the West. They've got a manageable schedule down the stretch. And I think Shea wins the MVP, Dre.
0: Yeah, no, that's a strong multi-piece prediction. I think I agree with you that Shea has a, a strong inside chance to win the MVP because I think that part of the reason that Jokic is still the favorite is the expectation that, you know what, they've they've been pacing themselves, but they're going to end up, you know, uh, probably winning the West or, or contending for the West, whereas, you know, I don't think – They're currently fourth, and I could very easily see a world where they finish no better than fourth in the West, in which case that would really help Shea's uh, chances to win. I'm not quite as convinced as you that they're going to win the West in the regular season. Uh I think that, and and maybe this even segues a little bit into my next prediction, I think the Timberwolves are legit. I think that that they've been treated this season like they're kind of a flash in the pan. Um, If Uh you go to, again, ESPN Bet. They're currently like ninth or, or tied for 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 tenth as far as um, odds to win the championship, even though they have the best record in the West. Mm-hmm. Whereas they're a team that going into last season, I predicted that they were going to. Once they traded for Rudy Gobert, I said Gobert is one of the biggest impact players in the NBA. He does it on defense. They're going to do great this year, uh-huh. and they didn't. They were yeah. very very took mad. Took them a year. Took them a, a year, and. Part of the reason for that is Carl Anthony Towns missed 60 games last year, and Uh he doesn't really get the credit for it. But they have three star caliber players, a very deep uh, uh, team, and they just signed Mike Conley to an extension. And I think that was underrated because he's the veteran point guard to kind of take them in. So I think that they'll end up holding on to that one spot in the West, and they'll also go further into the playoffs. I think there's a good chance. They, they have a reasonable chance to come out of the West. Uh, that That's how strongly I feel Ooh, about the Timberwolves Boy, this
1: you like Minnesota. Amber and Ian ESPN Radio, ESPN App. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Andre Snellings. All right, my second very bold prediction. Uh, I don't think the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. In fact, I don't even think they're going to make Ooh. the play in, Drake, Okay. And there's a reason why. I mean, they've been relatively healthy. Now, they'll kvetch about injuries to Jared Vanderbilt and role mm-hmm. players and that kind of thing. Look, LeBron and Davis have been healthy for the majority of the season, and it's been good enough to get them ninth place in the Western Conference. I've watched enough basketball to know that I don't know that Davis and LeBron are going to stay healthy the rest of the way. And if one of those two guys goes down, let alone both of them, their margin for error is just completely gone. So I think it's much more likely that the Lakers miss the playoffs altogether Then they get back to the conference finals. Uh, I haven't looked at ESPN bet to see what those odds are, but I'd take them. I think Golden State is the team between those two that I could see making a run and not the Lakers, who I am boldly predicting, Dre, are going to miss the playoffs and the play-in. They will be in the lottery come
0: May. That is a very bold prediction, and it's another one that – I'm not quite sure that I go with you on. You know, I've I've referenced a a, a few times lately that uh, Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett have a podcast. And on that podcast recently, KG said, you know, anybody that thinks that the Lakers are contenders this year is delusional. And I kind of I'm I'm not willing to give up the delusion myself because I, I agree with you that the health of LeBron and AD are paramount. If either of them gets hurt, then their contending days are over. But they're two-thirds of the way through the season. They're coming off of a break. I'm not sure that it's that long of a shot that they do remain healthy for the rest of the season. And I think they found a balance. You know, after the, the, the end-season tournament, when they went on such a long losing streak, the coach was also trying a bunch of new things. First, they were like, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, Austin and 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 D'Angelo Russell aren't playing well together as starters, so he brought them both off the bench, and they just had a team full of defenders around LeBron, and that didn't work. And then they worked, you know, Austin and D'Angelo back in, and I feel like they're kind of finding their level. Everyone they've got a good mix of shooting um, and 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 defense. I, I thought that that you know that that the team is just coming together in a way that I think they do, I think they have a better chance of making the playoffs outright than of missing the play-in.
1: Interesting. Andre Snellings. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with you on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. One more rapid fire. Um, I don't know that the Wizards are going to win again. (laughs) I, I, I wish I could bet on them being the worst team. Because I've watched, for some reason, I've watched a little Detroit recently. I don't know. The Isaiah Stewart punching a guy in the hallway or whatever. <laughs> the circus just kind of excited me. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the Pistons are the worst team in the league. I don't. It, they're, they're bad, but they're not that bad. The mm-hmm. Spurs have Wemby. They're already at 11 wins. I think the Wizards are going to win like two more games or three more games the rest of the entire season, Dre. If there's a team you don't want to be following, dead last in my league pass rankings right now is no doubt the Washington Wizards. Coming up, we have another little game to play. It's called Pretender or Contender, and we'll do it on Amber and Ian. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. Andre Snellings, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save. That's the number eight, S A V E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be.
0: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
1: Is your favorite team a contender or are they a pretender? We will rule now on ESPN Radio. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He is Andre Snellings. We're in for Amber and Ian. ESPN app, Sirius XM channel lady. We should also mention, did you know, Dre, you can ask your smart speaker to play ESPN radio. So like right now, well, if I right. say Alexa, play ESPN radio, probably around the country. You've got Alexas turning on all over the place and starting ESPN Radio. (laughs) That's courtesy of me. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, We have contender or pretender ready to go when it comes to the NBA as we are at the halfway point. But first, we have to get another NASCAR update As our board op, Rachel, is standing by. She is also our NASCAR insider here on ESPN Radio to explain to us why the race ended the way it did. Rachel, the floor is yours. Go ahead, please.
2: All right, so the official... Thanks, Andre. Thanks, Aaron. Forgot (laughs) to mention you guys. I got so excited. NASCAR officials have said, have ruled, that William Byron, the number 24, has the first win of the 2024 season because he did, in fact, cross the start finish line and received the white flag before the caution flag was waved which means the race is over and he is in fact the official winner of the 66th Daytona 500
1: So I guess he had started his last lap before the r- crash happened and so therefore overtime is waved off
2: Yes before guy- they they waved the yellow flag he yes. had crossed the He had started his last lap, so therefore Uh you are correct. The race was over.
1: Uh, Understood. Now I just need from you, I'm Rachel Robinson, ESPN. I'm
2: Rachel Robinson, ESPN. (laughs)
1: Thank you. Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He is Andre Snellings. Dre, I'm going to go through the teams. You tell me whether you think they are a contender or pretender. We're going to start in the Western Conference, and we'll start with a team I know that you really like a lot, (laughs) the Minnesota Timberwolves. Are they contenders or pretenders? And by the way, we defined contender as they could make the conference finals. Contender or pretender, Dre?
0: They're a contender because they have the best mix of size and perimeter. Uh, In the West, outside of the Denver Nuggets. Um, I like that with Rudy Gobert, they have the best defense in the NBA. But with uh, Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, they've got uh, a very strong offensive unit as well. With Mm -hmm. Mike Conley, keeping them settled and keeping them in line, I think they are contenders.
1: And I'm going to say pretender just because I know they're a good offensive team and defensive team, but... I think they could win one playoff series. The problem is right now their second round might be Denver or it might be the Clippers if they do end up being the number one seed. I don't see them beating either one of those teams, and I think it's likely if it could set up properly that those are the two best teams in the West. Now, they might end up playing each other in the second round, but I think those are the two best teams in the West. Let's bounce over to the Eastern Conference. The team in the two-seed right now is the Cleveland Cavaliers. I ask you, contender or pretender, Andre?
0: I think they're also contenders because I think if the season ended right now, they are probably the second best team in the East. Uh, Even though they're the two seed, they're just playing extremely well. Uh And, you know, there are questions about, well, what if Embiid comes back or what if the Knicks get healthy or what if Giannis and Dame learn how to play together again? But those are ifs. And if if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. Whereas the Cavs, they're, they're kind of a sure thing right now. So I think they are uh, contenders.
1: I, I love them and I watch them all the time, and I'm rooting for them. But I'm going to disagree with you again. I'm going to say that the Cavs are pretenders. I Ooh. just I saw how they flamed out in the playoffs last year, mm-hmm. and I'll be rooting for them. But they got to prove it to me this year that they're not going to do that again. Okay. It's one thing to win a bunch of games in January and February. The games in April and May are much different than January and February. I think the Cavs are pretenders. Back we go to the West. Oklahoma City Thunder, Dre contender or pretender?
0: I have them as pretenders, Um, one, because they they do have that curse of youth that does not bode well in the postseason. They also have a lack of size. Um, Chet Holmgren may – He's going to challenge for the rookie of the year, but outside of him, they don't really have the type of girth that you need to be able to defeat a team like uh, Jokic and and the Nuggets. Mm. So I have them as pretenders.
1: Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, ESPN app. I'm Aaron Goldhammer, Andre Stellings. I agree with you that they're pretenders. I think they're having a great regular season. Mm -hmm. I think they are going to win a championship in the next five years. I think it's way premature to say that it's going to be this year. They've got so many more draft. Picks and so many more pieces to add, and I think eventually they'll get there. But I don't think it's right now. As we play a game of contender pretender, I'm curious about this team. They are certainly <laughs> star loaded. Yeah, but do you buy the Phoenix Suns, Dre, as contenders or pretenders?
0: I thought you were going somewhere else, but with the Suns, I will say pretenders because they everything we talked about with the Nets and 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 how things didn't go the way that they wanted them to go in the last few years. The Suns are like the Nets West, right? You know, and it's it's built around the same players. I don't think that Durant and Booker and Beal have enough breadth of, like they're all excellent scorers, but they don't have the, the breadth of game to go around that. And they don't have the depth as a squad to make up for what they're lacking. So I, I think they are pretenders in the Western Conference.
1: If they're all healthy, it's a hell of a top three. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I can trust that they're going to be. But I'm going to say they're contenders just because I know how potent on offense those three guys really are. Amber and Ian, I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He's Andre Snelling. He's all right. The East, I think the team I teased you with. are mm-hmm. uh, The Milwaukee Bucks, they've yeah. got probably – I don't know, one of the top two players in the world. Mm-hmm. But are they contenders or pretenders, given the way things have been going for them with the fired
0: coach and everything else? This one's hard for me because coming into the season, I have them as my my favorites to win the championship. Mm. But as at, at, as of 8.23 p.m. on February 19th, they are pretenders because they just have not shown that they know how to play together. Um, speaking of Giannis and Dame, I, I think that when you watch them play, they take turns. And what really needs to happen, I believe, is that Giannis needs to cede some offensive control to Dame and focus more on being the defensive captain. He was the defensive player of the year a few years ago. He needs to get back to that if they want to actually be contenders this year.
1: We agree here. I just can't take them seriously because they're such a bad defensive team. If they Mm -hmm. show signs of turning that around, then I could look at them as a legitimate championship contender, but not guarding anybody. I mean, that's a bad way to be. Those are one of those regular season signs that things are not going to end up going well come the playoffs. Uh, I'll give you one more team in the West and one more team in the East. Are the Golden State Warriors, Dre, contenders or are they pretenders?
0: I think they are pretenders in the sense that if all goes well with them, I could see them making a run. You know, they're in the 10th slot now. I could see them playing their way into the playoffs. And if they end up facing the Thunder, I could see them getting to the second round. I don't know that I'd see them beating the Timberwolves or the Clippers or the Nuggets. And so, you know, for that reason, I have them as pretenders.
1: I mean, listen, size bothers them, but Steph in a playoff series obviously is dangerous. And if they'd have made, you know, the LeBron move, I probably would have said contender. Uh, they're dangerous to win one series, any one series. Now, do I think they could win four series? That's where I'm going to draw the line and say, no. The New York Knicks, Dre, are they contenders or pretenders?
0: They are contenders. They're contenders, especially if we're saying making the conference finals, make someone a contender. I think they can get there. They got to the second round last season. Really, it all comes down to health for me. Julius Randle has to get healthy. Jalen Brunson has to stay healthy. He had a little ouchie. And they really need, um, you know, O.G. Ananobi to be healthy as well. Other than that, they've got a very deep team with Randall and Brunson. They've got an offense that they should be able to uh, produce in the postseason. And they've got a defense that nobody wants to face. So I'm going to say contenders.
1: Under this segment has been the oddest mix of NBA theme music that I think I've (laughs) ever heard in my life. It's been five different versions of the same thing. It stopped. It started. It stopped again. We were just talking about that in the studio. We found this bed called NBA Music. Listened to the first couple seconds and thought, you know what? This is actually pretty good and rachel has just been uh, pretty much saying what you've been saying that it is a very strange bed that someone does <laughs> mishmash together i mean this is one of the otter one of the otter bed music segments of my life uh but i would i'm gonna say that the knicks are pretenders look i think they'll get a star i think they'll get the next star luca mm. and bead somebody like that is going to go play in new york and they deserve it nick fans deserve finally to hunt and capture the big fish but until that happens I think they're always going to be in this position. Do we have the best player in this playoff series? And eventually they're going to run into a team that just has more talent than hard-nosed Tom Thibodeau does. Up next, more awkward bed music and the highs (laughs) and lows of All-Star Weekend. Amber and Ian's on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen a smith and me plus many more from the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark there's no better time for sports fans sign up today new users get a bet reset up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win download espn bet today what a play must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800 gambler terms and conditions apply see app for details
0: Halliburton, oh a logo three, he's feeling it, and he knocks it home, an early show for Tyrese Halliburton, five for five from distance, half court Lillard, yes, might have just sold it right there, Damian Lillard with a triple, from half court he's got 39. Obviously from a player's perspective, you know it's fun to get up and down, but at the end of the day our competitive nature don't like just being able to just have free and scoring like that.
1: Well, there has been a lot of complaining about the NBA All-Star Game today, and guess what? Andre and are about to do, and I are about to do more. Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, ESPN App, SiriusXM Channel 80. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. I can't talk for some reason. Andre Snellings is here. We're in for the crew. We're presented by Progressive. It is President's Day. We're honoring Lincoln and Washington. And uh, Dre, four score and seven years ago, the uh, All Star Game was watchable. Yeah, and we are now in a place where it is not. But that doesn't mean everything was bad at this All Star weekend. So we've got some highlights and lowlights. I'm going to start with you with a low light, you know, and I would imagine something from the game last night belongs on this list.
0: Yeah, um, the low light from yesterday's game was that I played more defense than anybody on the court. And I was just watching. I mean, you know, the, the, uh, I like the headline, the silver wanted this to be a competitive all-star game. And instead he got 397 points scored. Um, And and, and so it was essentially a layup line. And so that's hard to watch. You know, there's a reason why uh, games are televised and practice is not. And, and that's kind of what we saw yesterday was kind of a glorified practice.
1: Well, listen, I thought one of the real lowlights. I think uh, Luca is going to have a Hall of Fame career uh, ultimately <laughs> in the end. I think he's going to win championships, sign giant shoe deals, and contracts. But this is a game where there is no defense. I guess Luca's not built to be throwing himself alley oops or whatever, yeah. which is what the All Star game is for. But he had a really embarrassing moment. He he tossed it to himself off the backboard. He rose up and he jammed it right on the front of the rim and then awkwardly fell to the ground. (laughs) And to me, it was sort of summed up the entire night, kind of summed up the whole game as Luka Doncic made a fool of himself on national TV. Let's let's talk more positively here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll give you a highlight. Obviously, Sabrina and Steph, there was a big piece of that that was a highlight. I actually thought the skills competition was one of the better skills. Competitions that I've ever watched. Now, please tell Anthony Edwards that he has to, you know, focus and lock in <laughs> on this. But I actually kind of got a kick out of it. I I enjoyed watching a display of the fundamentals of the game. It kind of feels like a miniature golf course, yeah. but it was not the worst thing on All Star Saturday Night. I think there's a little something there, maybe that they could continue to do. I thought it was fun that the team Indiana won. It was probably rigged for them to go ahead and win anyway. But I thought that was kind of neat. I kind of like the skills challenge. Give me a highlight, Dre.
0: Yeah, I mean, so the skills challenge, I, I thought it was solid. And it went to overtime, which is always a plus, uh, which apparently NASCAR couldn't get right today. Uh. But, um, but no, um, a highlight for me, really Saturday night in general. I like the whole thing. I'll go specifically, though, with that three-point shooting contest before Stefan Ionesco. I think that's a, a obvious highlight. But I like that there were four guys that all tied at twenty six in the prelims and all had uh-huh. to go to the finals. Uh-huh. And then in the finals it it, it it set up to be drama, you know, where the second and third shooters tied for first at twenty-four and then Dame Lillard has twenty-four until he takes the very last shot and it goes in to get the win. He gets to do his Dame time, you know, uh trademark celebration. I thought that that three-point shootout was a positive on a night that led to more positives right after it with another three-point shootout.
1: I'll give you a low light for me. Um, I don't know how they picked those judges for the dunk contest. Like <laughs> Dr. J, I think, was in the building but yeah. was not one of the judges. Was not. And at the introduction of the judges, they actually presented us with Pacers legend Fred Jones. yeah. Look, God bless Fred Jones. He's accomplished a whole hell of a lot more in his athletic career than I have. Okay, Reggie Miller is Pacers legend. Even Chuck Person, the Rifleman, is Pacers legend. Fred Jones is not a Pacer legend. Fred Jones is Fred Jones is a former Pacer He yeah. probably doesn't deserve us. Sp- the judging in general of the dunk contest. Needs to be cleaned up. What what possibly could Clyde the Glide have been doing on Saturday night that was more important than sitting in his rightful customary chair judging the dunk contest that needs to be better headed into next year? Right?
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and just kind of piggybacking on that, at least Fred Jones had won the dunk contest before. You know, yeah. like he's not a, a big name guy, but you know, he he's someone who, when it speaks to good dunks, he should have a say. Darnell Hillman was the one that, you know, the, the judge that gave um, Lil Mac a 46 after his first dunk where he let go of the ball in the air, then re-caught it, and well, probably should have been a 50. Yep. Um, so, so I think he was the judge that maybe caught every, the, the most ire of, of those judges mm-hmm. and, and led to that low light. And I'll, I'll for my low light, I'll stay within the dunk contest. It was after the finals dunk from Jalen Brown, the first one from Jalen Brown and the first one from Lil Mac, where the the scoring was so bad that the crowd had to boo. Oh. You know, when when you're oh. getting a boo during the dunk contest, not good. That is not a good look. So I would say that was one of the low lights of the night.
1: Uh, Another highlight of the weekend to me, I I thought the entertainment around halftime of the game was one of the best things on Saturday night. I thought Jennifer Hudson brought it. Mm -hmm. And while I think the NFL halftime maybe has gotten a little bit on the long side, look, I know that Super Bowl, it's a it's a pop culture event. But also they got to realize it's the biggest football game of the entire year. And at some point, you should cater to football fans and not have everybody sit around watching people dancing on roller skates for 25 minutes. <laughs> hey, I thought they
0: hit, Usher was jamming. I, I
1: thought <laughs> I thought they hit the right note, and boy, Jennifer Hudson can sing. So I thought one of the real highlights last night was halftime. Give me another highlight, Dre.
0: Yeah, you know what? For my highlight, I'm going to go right back to where we were just talking about with the lowlights. I think that in the dunk contest, Mac McClung's performance was a highlight of the weekend. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, was, I did a show with Q Myers on Friday, and he rang the bell that – You know, this guy is not even in the NBA. He shouldn't be able to win the dunk contest. But if you're going to let him in, you hope he puts on a show the way that he did. I thought all four of his dunks could have been 50s. I already mentioned the one where he lets the ball go in midair, catches it and dunks it anyway. Um, I like that he jumped over two people on each other's shoulders. And the fact that he's the smallest person on the floor and he jumped over Shaq, who really didn't duck his head that much. Like, he legit jumped over Shaq, almost hit his own head on the rim for that final one. Even the judges had to give him a 50 on. I I thought that was a highlight.
1: Look, I will say a low light is this. I I saw on ESPN.com that the game was scheduled to start at 8 o'clock. So I popped my popcorn, Andre. I get my (laughs) customary all-star game root beer float ready to go. I eat my popcorn. I drink my root beer float. I go up, I get seconds on the popcorn. I finish the can of Virgil's root beer that I was drinking last night before the The game started at 841. All right. We've already established this is an event for kids. It's a holiday weekend what are you doing playing the all-star game at 11 o'clock at night? Right. After kids had gone to bed, play it at three 30 in the afternoon, which is when they played it when I was a kid so that kids can watch it and have it help grow the game. It's not like you're doing major ratings numbers for the NBA all-star game. Anyway, I don't know why they refuse to put this where it belongs, which is at two 30 or three 30 in the afternoon. Then they say it starts at eight and they tip the game at eight 41. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was a 45 minute unnecessary wait where I ate three bowls of popcorn and had two root <laughs> beer floats and gained five pounds because of it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, um, I, I I can feel you on that. And, and <laughs> now the mental image of you sitting on the couch, <laughs> slamming popcorn as you're waiting for the game to start is stuck in my head. Um, I'll say a low light from this weekend was that they didn't find a way to make proper use of the fact they have an alien in the NBA now that draws everybody's eye, and that's Victor mm. He he. The only thing he performed in was the Rising Stars competition. Yep. Well, he also was in the skills competition, but the, essentially the two things that the fewest people watched. And in the Rising Stars competition, his team lost to the NBDL team. You know, he clearly wasn't taking it all that seriously and – I just would like to have seen a little bit more of a showcase. You know, Adam Silver and LeBron did an interview where they said, okay, well, who's the next face of the NBA after LeBron? The short answer is it's Wimby. And this would have been a nice coming out party for the nation when he's already been doing things to kind of come out during the regular season.
1: Yeah, good point. To really embrace him would have been an awesome step. And for guys like that, going to All-Star Weekend is cool. Mm -hmm. LeBron, I think, I I don't know this for a fact, but I'm just guessing, Andre. I think he was in Indianapolis for about seven hours. I don't know that he spent a night there, okay? Yeah. So he wants, you know, he's a big fan of the longer All-Star break, and it's his 20th All-Star game. Like he's not, you know, circling on it and looking forward to it on his calendar. Like for a guy like Wemby, who's there, guys that are there for the first time, you know, they really look at that opportunity in a different way. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle home, auto, and save by going to Progressive.com. That's Progressive.com. Coming up next is a wild final score today in a hockey game. So which would you rather watch? A shootout or a defensive struggle? Amber and Ian. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Andre Snelling's ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
0: Kaprizov tried to center, and Juleson just got back in time. Suddenly, the Wild are flying. Boldy splits the defense. Boldy circles. The wrap room. Kaprizov scores!
1: Highlight there, courtesy of Bally Sports. Yes, we're talking hockey on Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM Channel 80. I'm Aaron Goldhammer with Andre Snellings. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. There's one score, if you watch the bottom line on ESPN, and I got Virginia Tech, Virginia on right now. Virginia Tech is killing Virginia in college basketball. And we have this Houston-Iowa State game coming up 9 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN, which is a great top 10 matchup in college hoops tonight. There's one score, that score that's going to hop out on the bottom. The Wild beat the Canucks by a final score of 10-7 to 7 in hockey today. There were 17 goals. Now, to me, teams don't score 17 goals in the NHL in two weeks mm-hmm. in the NHL that I know. The Wild scored seven goals in the third period alone. And shout out to uh, Joel Erickson Eck who had three goals and three assists. He had six points. He had a hat trick of goals and a hat trick of assists in this game. Trey, it's brought up the question. Just in general, do you find a shootout or a defensive struggle more aesthetically pleasing? What kind of game would you rather watch generally in sports?
0: Right. So, you know, generally is going to be a different answer than for hockey. For hockey, I like the shootouts because – I'm typically coming at it from the angle of ESPN bet, uh, you know, probably props. And so the the higher the score, the more likely that my props are going to hit. And Mm -hmm. so I remember there was a game last week where Austin Matthews had a hat trick. And um, later that day, Connor McDavid had like six assists. And so all of my props around them hit that day. I love that. (laughs) Um, If we're stepping outside of hockey, then – I like there to be some defense. I think if I have to pick between the all-star break type score of 397 total points Mm -hmm. and like the 2003 Pacers versus the Pistons that think the score was like 72 to 71. Yeah, I'd probably take the higher score just because that 72 Mm -hmm. to 71 kind of was like watching paint dry. Mm -hmm. But can we get some middle ground? You know, I, I like there to be a hyper competitive game. Which includes both stops and, you know, accomplish the accomplish. The scoring doesn't mean as much if there's no defense trying to slow him down.
1: Yeah, you know, I'd agree. And I, I think, look, one of the great Monday night games we all remember a couple of years ago, remember, it was supposed to be played in Mexico between the Chiefs and the Rams. Yep. And it was a total show. Yes. I mean, it was, they, both teams hit 50 points. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. there were plays on defense, but they were all touchdowns because yeah. everybody, it looked like every time you'd looked up at the TV, there was another score. That's a fun novelty, but you don't want every game to become that. Yes. And I actually think that I'd rather watch the pitchers duel. I know that's kind of a lame. Maybe I'm just getting old at 41, Mm -hmm. Andre. But to me, especially in a big game, hanging on every when there's only two or three runs scored in the whole game, it just magnifies the importance of every pitch or every possession. And I just find that more. there's more tension in that. There's more drama in that than a game that finishes. Now, occasionally, do I like your 10-7 to 7 hockey game in the Stanley Cup Finals? Yeah, that could be memorable and really, really fun. That's one of those, like, hey, this game is drunk moments mm-hmm. where we all say, wow, this game kind of got out of control. But overall, I think most of the great games in history generally are either low or mid-scoring, that they have some kind of defense being played, which takes us back to the All-Star game. You know, I'm not asking for four quarters of defense. I'm asking for four minutes of defense. Yeah. And we can't even get that from the
0: NBA studs. Yeah, and see, and that's what the All-Star game was for a while. It would be three quarters of everybody is just kind of out there throwing alley-oops from, you know, full court, you know, uh <laughs> trying out uh self oops like Luka Doncic's uh Grant Hill drink Sprite moment where he hung yeah. himself on the rim but yeah. they used to do that for 3 quarters but then in the 4th quarter you would know you know Kobe and AI and Kevin Garnett and even Stefan Marbury you know like that's when the the all stars were going to really try to win is this 4th quarter These days, we didn't even get that. The fourth quarter was where Carl Anthony Towns scored the majority of his 50 points because it was just everybody's out there scoring. So I agree with you that I I want to see some resistance. I don't know the the pitcher's duel or the goalie's duel where it's one to nothing – that doesn't do anything for me. The same with, like, you know, soccer. I, I don't love – that's one of the things I don't love about soccer is you could have a, a nil-nil game, and then yeah. it just comes down to the shootout. I need to have some offense in there, but yeah. I like there to be a, a, a good mix of both.
1: Well, listen, the Oilers and the North Stars, way back on January 4th of 84, played the highest-scoring game – I think this is the highest-scoring game in NHL history that I found – to 12-8, 20
0: mm. goals – 20 goals. Yeah. And this Gordon game tonight game. was almost – you know, they almost taught that. You know, 17, That that's that's not too far from 20.
1: Wait a minute. I got another one. 12-9. I'm going through the highest-scoring games in NHL history. Boy, the Oilers in the mid-'80s, you know what they were? <laughs> the Nuggets. They were damn good. <laughs> <laughs> they had uh, that Gretzky guy who yeah. – you put him on skates and he I've was pretty solid. 12-9, to 9, Oilers beat the Blackhawks. Highest-scoring game of the modern era of the NHL, not close – Oilers scored the first six goals of the game, and they only won by three before Dennis Savard got the Blackhawks on the board in the second period. They'd fight back to get within two, but the Oilers' offensive depth was too much to handle. Yari Curry with a hat trick and Glenn Anderson with a hat trick. They combined for six of the Oilers' 12 goals in the game. A guy named Al Second had a rough outing. He finished the night... You know this plus minus stat that's in the NBA really comes from hockey. Oh yeah. This guy was a minus 7 Woo. in the game.
2: Yeah. He
1: was on the ice when 7 more goals were scored than goal than plus goals were. He was on when he was on the ice his team lost by 7 goals. I yeah. guess is the best way of sort of putting that in in context. Yeah. Um uh, and to me, you know, I I remember some of these wild games I remember, you know, the the Nuggets and the Pistons played a crazy game in the 180s uh, back in the day. But I, I don't think, you know, they were ever going to see an NBA game where a guy gets 200 points. One other thought here just on the offense versus defense uh, debate. There's been some talk, and LeBron got asked about it yesterday, about 100 points scored in an NBA game. Mm-hmm. You know the analytics on this better than I do, Dre, but I would think it feels like 70 is a ton of points and that 80 is like a ridiculous milestone. But you got to realize that 80 is still 20 away from 100. Right. And a 20-point game in the NBA is a pretty solid game. Dre, I don't think so. I don't think we're ever going to see a guy go for 100 points in an NBA game again. I don't think it's really humanly possible.
0: So here's the thing. I think before this season I would have been more inclined to agree with you um, because that 81 from Kobe was like – a ridiculous high watermark in NBA history, in you know, say, since the 2000s. And then after that, you had to, you know, you, you dropped down into pretty much the 60s. Whereas this year, in a two-week span, we had four different guys go over 60, two of them go 70 or higher. And in all of those games, they they were on pace, right? Like, I think when when, when Carl Anthony Towns, I believe he had like 50 at the half almost, you know, so – it feels like the, the right set of circumstances could lead to a 100-point outing, especially if a player gets hot and the team keeps funneling them the ball. Yeah, But, um, you know, it's still pretty unlikely.
1: I guess the other key there, the game has to stay close. Yeah. Right? Or, or the team just has to say, like, our goal is to get – Uh, Luka Doncic to 100 our goal is to get Joel Embiid to 100 points tonight Mm -hmm. right which which that would take a special set of circumstances it's like the end of the season and the team is done or what and they're just trying to accomplish a personal goal Um, the other piece you know quintuple overtime could change my mind right you know right So, so something like that a super a super close game that goes into enough overtimes if you give guys enough extra time And then the way the game's officiated today, I mean, you kind of need to shoot 35 free throws to Mm -hmm. get there. And if you're 33 of 35 at the line, like, that sort of sets the stage for then you to have a hot shooting game the rest of the way. I just think we're so blown away by that 70 number. I just want to remind everybody that that's still a 30-point game away from touching Wilt Chamberlain. It's an incredible feat, but it's still not even really close. Coming up next, one important person was really not pleased with last night's NBA All-Star game. We'll tell you who that is. I'm Aaron Goldhammer. He's Andre Snellings. This is Amber and Ian on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.